Talk of the Thrones. Thrones. The Ringer's instant reaction show for all things Ice and Fire is back. Now as a pod. To cover the new Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon. Every Sunday night, the Ringerverse, Chris Ryan, that's me. Joanna Robinson. And I, Mallory Rubin, will be breaking down the latest episode. Sharing our thoughts on all the schemes and plots. Uh, schemes and plots are the same thing. Dragons. And incest. Hey, it's a Game of Thrones show. So boot up your favorite podcast player and head to the Dragon Pit. Because fire and pods will rain. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Callista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It is Monday, August 29th. If you're a listener to this podcast, you pretty much know that the broadcast television business is a challenged business these days. The big five television networks, CBS, NBC, ABC, CW, Fox, they've all seen better days. The money that they're generating just isn't what it once was. And these are all owned by companies that have streaming services that they are putting most of their resources and the best content there. It's a weird time because these businesses are in decline, yet they generate a lot of money, and the streaming businesses are on the rise, but they don't make money. It's a real upending moment for the TV business, which for years, decades, has been on a particular model that included primetime television. The way it works is that the owners of these networks, they program the different day parts. There's three hours of primetime. There's a late night show. There's daytime dramas, talk shows, and then there's time that the affiliates or the people who own the stations that these networks play on, they can then program some of their own stuff, whether it's news or local lifestyle programming. And some of these affiliates are owned by the network. So it gets a little bit confusing there. There was a story in the Wall Street Journal this past week about how NBC is considering eliminating the 10 p.m. programming, giving it back to the affiliates. And what that means is the affiliates themselves would program that hour. Uh, It could mean that maybe Jimmy Fallon moves up and they put an hour or a half hour of news on at 10 p.m. And then The Tonight Show moves to 1030 or 11 p.m. It could mean that these broadcast affiliates, that they just program something else. They buy talk shows or they produce their own programming to put there. That would be a gigantic change in the television business but one that's not entirely unexpected. What does this mean for consumers and why should you actually care about this? I'm bringing on Lucas Shaw today, our normal Monday morning guy, and we're going to discuss the great 10 p.m. question. Should it stay? Should it go? And what it all means. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg. And Lucas, this story caught my attention last week. The NBC broadcast network is considering dropping 10 p.m. 
and giving it back to the affiliates or moving Jimmy Fallon forward an hour and filling that 10 p.m. with a half hour of news, basically throwing in the towel, saying it no longer makes financial sense to program at 10 p.m. And this brought it back a whole bunch of memories. You know, NBC back in 2009, they tried to move Jay Leno from The Tonight Show to a 10 p.m. show. The affiliates went absolutely crazy because the ratings dropped and the ratings for their local news dropped after Jay Leno. So the affiliates were losing money and that didn't last more than a season. So the question for you is, will this last? Is this a trial balloon that NBC is putting out there to see if there's outrage or is this actually happening? And if so, is this going to be a trend that the others are going to do? Well, it's it's definitely a trial balloon. Uh, you you notice the the original story, which was which I believe was in the Wall Street Journal, and all the subsequent stories uh, kind of frame this as a discussion, not as though it was a an you know final. Um, it has a feeling of inevitability to it. Um, just you think about the declining audience for for broadcast TV over the, TV over the years. I, I looked at it, and so in 2011, 2012, the big four networks being CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox in primetime averaged more than 36 million viewers. In the most recent TV season, 2021, 22, it was 21 million. So they've lost 15 million viewers over the last decade in primetime. And at a certain point, it it just makes sense to try to invest your resources in something that's growing. Now, Peacock of all the streaming services, which is Comcast is the one that that doesn't seem to be growing right now. Um, but it it certainly has the potential to. Uh, and that's I, I think Comcast is reaching a point where it feels like maybe that's a better allocation of some of its programming dollars than primetime. The downside to that being, and and kind of to your initial question with the affiliates, is NBC Universal still makes money from its prime from or it's from its TV network, whereas it does not make money from Peacock. Right. And we'll get to winners and losers of this in a second. But the, the thing that's interesting is that they're going after 10 p.m. And the 10 p.m. hour was one of the first casualties of the DVR era. I remember back when people first started adopting TiVo and the others, we noticed that the ratings for the shows that aired at 10 p.m. were starting to drop. And people were like, hey, why is that happening? And it was because everybody was time shifting the shows that were on earlier in the night. And that caused a subsequent drop at 10 p.m. So this is exactly what's happening here. People are getting home, and whereas they used to just turn on the TV and keep it on in one channel, they're choosing to watch other stuff, whether it's something on NBC, elsewhere, or streaming. And that 10 p.m. audience is just going away. If you look at the, if you look at the schedule this summer, it's Dick Wolf, it's a, a Law & Order show, a, a Chicago show. Then it's Dateline on Friday nights, and it's Password and Weakest Link. So NBC is basically saying, we're, there's no point in trying. We're just going to program the rest of the night in as cheap a way as we can, push all the other stuff to Peacock and elsewhere, float NBC on news and most importantly, NFL and other sports and basically dare people not to watch. Right. I mean, that's what, well, first of all, if, if airing Dick Wolf is the conservative approach or, or whatever language you use, that's, that is the NBC schedule. doesn't Dick Wolf have six or seven hours on NBC every week. I mean, he's he just, has, he has two thirds of the scripted programming on NBC. 
But you're seeing all, a lot of these networks. I mean, there was there was a meme going around over the weekend because of the VMAs and people paying attention to MTV for the first time in a while of what the regular MTV schedule looks like. And that's just like them airing ridiculousness 18 hours or 20 hours a day. A lot of these TV networks, you have these big media companies that they, they only have so much money they can spend. And they, for a while, were trying to fund programming for cable networks and broadcast and streaming all at the same time, which is why we saw the number of shows going up. You're seeing all of these different media companies cut back on programming in one way or another at, at broadcasting and cable. And I think the big question for everyone else is, do we see Paramount cut back at CBS at, at 10 p.m.? Do we see Disney cut back on ABC at the same time? Fox has never shown three hours of primetime. Yeah, that's the big question is, do others follow here? And I know I've talked to people at the others. And of course, they're looking at everything. And it would be so much easier if these broadcast networks didn't make money. If there were no carriage fees, because remember, there are retransmission fees, which are essentially these invented fees that the broadcast networks get from cable providers for the privilege of carrying their networks. So they do make money on, on fees that are not just tied to advertising. So they just need to keep these afloat as long as the streaming universe is building up, building up, building up. And hopefully, they think, there will be a transition point where these streamers are profitable and then they can ultimately just cut the broadcast networks off at some point. That will happen, right? Yeah, I mean, it's this concept of of managed decline where you see this asset getting less and less valuable or less and less popular over time, but because it generates money that you need to use to fund the growth initiative, you don't want it to die too quickly. You know, we've the, the co-founder of Netflix, Reed Hastings, I think on their most recent earnings call projected that pay TV would would die in five to 10 years. Uh, you know, maybe that's the, pretty the, bold considering yeah. that these these NFL deals last for 10 years and NFL is keeping these broadcast networks afloat. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely the strongest counter argument to that. The question becomes, OK, if in if in five years, the number of people paying for TV has dropped by another $10 million. Do these media companies go back to the NFL and say, hey, we need to put more games on streaming? Now, I'm sure that the, the con, I don't know what's in the contracts and whether they're even allowed to do that. But that would really be the only thing that I think would, would break the bundle in its, you know, in its traditional form. All right. So let's go to the winners and losers. Winners and losers if NBC and potentially the others get rid of 10 p.m. Um, the winner, I mean, my first winner has got to be Peacock, right? Because if you eliminate these scripted shows on NBC and move them over to Peacock, that Dick Wolf audience has got to have their Dick Wolf fix. And if the only place you can go to watch SVU or Organized Crime or the Chicago shows is Peacock, you're going to get a lot of people signing up for Peacock. Yeah, it's look, it, it is the clearest sign yet that Comcast actually cares about its streaming service. It this has felt for for the past couple of years like the one big media company that was a little bit asleep at the wheel when it came to streaming, or it just like didn't have a clear strategy and didn't want to to make this the the same investment that all of its peers were making. Um and it it may be starting to wake up to the, this idea that it has to you know it has to do more to get people to care about Peacock because NBC is in the long term gonna gonna go away or just will continue to shrink. Don't forget Days of Our Lives, Peacock exclusive starting coming this fall. to Peacock exclusive. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're just a couple of hits away from people caring. They just haven't had them yet. Right. 
Um, all right, go to your your winner or your loser. My loser is just sort of talent in general. You know, for the longest time, <laughs> talented people, losers. Bro- broad look, broadcast has been sort of the exception to this streaming, the economics of streaming, where you get bought out up front. In broadcasting, you still have ownership, or you still get profits from something. Uh, as it then gets syndicated and relicensed in all these other places. And and yes, that matters a lot to showrunners and stars. They get paid the most money. But this also affects people who work kind of the, the so-called below-the-line staff who get royalties for TV shows when they get licensed in certain ways that that they don't get from streaming. Um, now, there's... And a, more episodes. And more episodes. The, the TV writer, Zach Stentz, wrote a piece for the LA Times this past week noting something that I've written about at Puck, which is that broadcast essentially trains the next generation of TV writer, producers, showrunners. When you are on a broadcast show that has 22 episodes and you start out as a writer's assistant or an associate producer, by the end of that show, you can be the showrunner. And it's happened many times. You do 22 episodes. These shows tend to run longer than your typical streaming show. And if the broadcast model goes away, in many ways, the training ground for the next generation of these hit makers is also going to go away. And that's a big deal. Yeah, you're not going to learn as much when you have only three or four people working on eight episodes of a show as when you have 10 or 12 working on 22. And it becomes self-fulfilling because then those people are the only ones that get jobs. Um, All right, the other winner of this, I think, if 10 p.m. goes away, is local news. I mean, more and more, the local affiliates are going to be asked to come up with programming for their own stations. And they can either buy it from a provider, you know, buy talk shows or buy lifestyle programming or whatever they want to buy. I think a lot of them are just going to expand their local news and maybe put it on at 10 p.m. instead of 11, maybe put it on both. Maybe have you know more hours of the day in local news, and uh, and that's going to be a win for those stations. I mean, local news is still a huge driver of audiences. It's old, and it's you know not, it's certainly not getting any younger. But those shows are cheap to produce, and they deliver. See, I have them as losers for the reason that you outlined earlier, which is that when they made the switch with Leno and moved the schedule around, there were more people interested in watching entertainment programming than there were in watching either late night or local news. And so you're, you might be right that it's it's a it's a benefit to the bottom line because the news will be cheaper, although I'd like to think that news gathering is expensive. Um, <laughs> have you watched local news lately? <laughs> <laughs> I do think that that the programming that they have to substitute and them being left to do it on their own will be tougher, especially because all these companies that own local news uh, or kind of local stations have been merging and consolidating because their business has been threatened too. And so they're, those companies are not going to want to invest as much in their local stations. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that I feel like the real loser here is going to be kind of viewers who still rely on these stations, either for entertainment or for news, because I just don't think they're going to get the same quality product. Maybe not. I, I, I think 2009 was a very different time. And the outrage that these affiliates had because of the negative impact on their news programming by Jay Leno is just out the window because nothing is generating a number at 10 p.m. So, yes, maybe they will not get as much of a lead in as they had before. But the opportunity or the, you know, the, being asked to program more hours of the day with news. Um, they may get some synergies out of that. You can just keep running it back and just playing the same news over and over again. 
What would what would convince you to watch uh, broadcast television live at 10 p.m.? We were discussing this. The, the The last time I watched a broadcast show live was, other than The Bachelor, which my wife watches and I sometime will will watch. That's like sports for her, so she's got to see it live. The I watched an episode of Ghosts, the CBS show, but only because my wife has a client on that show. She's a manager, and we wanted to watch it live to see her. I have not watched a broadcast show in the time slot in probably five years maybe it was modern family what about what about the late night shows if it's on sometimes i'll have the local news on and it'll bleed into it i've watched colbert live a few times if he had a guest on that i thought was interesting um but yeah but again like no one under 30 does that have you guys ever i mean how was the last time you watched something on broadcast other than sports uh, so, you know, NBA finals, things mm-hmm. like that, football, uh, or elections and major, major breaking news. I don't think I've watched live broadcast entertainment programming since before college. Hmm. So Wait, since, does, it, does Jeopardy count? Oh, if you count Jeopardy, I, I, I watched it live two nights this year because my friend was on it and he, <laughs> did, he, he won the first night. And so I came back and watched the second night. Uh, but other than yeah, that, we watch Jeopardy sometimes. Wheel of Fortune, so that that does count. And then like the news, we'll put on the news. So what about what about SNL? Does that count? SNL, I watch on Hulu the next day. Sometimes I watch SNL at eleven thirty. Okay, yeah, I I I do not need to watch that live. I'll watch that on Hulu. Although now I got to go to Peacock in the fall. Another win for Peacock. They're really trying. I, I feel like I uh, these companies just left me behind. I haven't watched SNL live pretty much ever. Hmm. My family was not an SNL family, so I, I I see I see the clips online, and that's about it. Yeah, uh, I I do watch it. I like it, uh, I, and I I like being able to fast forward through the terrible sketches. Um, all right, Lucas, thanks very much. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Matt. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Today's prediction. Craig, are you following this Don't Worry Darling saga, the Olivia Wilde movie with Harry Styles? Yeah, a little bit. It's getting spicy. It's getting ridiculous. I wrote about this for my Puck newsletter, and I don't even want to summarize what's going on here because it's so ridiculous. But bottom line is a lot of shit went down on the set of Don't Worry Darling. Olivia Wilde, the filmmaker, started dating Harry Styles. A lot of people on set didn't like it. She ended up either firing or he left on his own Shia LaBeouf. She did an interview this past week with Variety in which she trashed Shia LaBeouf and said that she had let him go for his combative energy and to protect her cast, which in the acting world, that's kind of a dick move. You don't really trash actors when they leave your project. You know, that's the the famous creative differences or scheduling conflicts or, you know, you come up with some excuse. You don't say this guy was fired because he brought combative energy to my set. Uh, So predictably, Shia LaBeouf responded and ended up posting a video in which Olivia is begging him to come back to the movie, contradicting her, and put out an email that he sent to her basically saying that the real reason was we didn't have enough time to rehearse and that you, you know, you're a great person, but you're lying to the public. 
That's on top of all the Jason Sudeikis stuff, which we don't have to get into. She was served on stage at the CinemaCon conference with custody papers. She also trashed Sudeikis in that same interview, saying that, you know, there's a reason I left that relationship, bringing all these headlines back and basically taking the focus off of this movie, which was a highly anticipated movie in the industry. There was a bidding war for this project. Warner Brothers won this project. They have high hopes for it. And now the promo for this has kind of gone off the rails. The video leaked of her trying to get Shia back. And it's kind of a bizarre video of she's like driving and she's like changing lanes and looking through her mirrors for 30 seconds as she's like telling Shia LaBeouf to come back and how this is going to be a wake-up call for Miss Flo, uh, Florence Pugh. Who sends, I just don't know, who sends these type of videos to get somebody back? Call him. Why record Why record a 30-second video and what, text it to him? I have no idea. It's a bizarre move. And, and also that it, it's sort of a condescending reference to Florence Pugh. And there's rumors that those two did not get along on set. Florence Pugh has not been promoting the film on social media, even though she is the star. It is, you know, her movie. And she supposedly has pulled out of press other than the Venice Film Festival premiere. I mean, the thing is here, and I, I wrote about this, but Olivia Wilde is in a tough spot because she is dating one of the most famous people in the world. And they started dating when she was directing his film. This is, there is a long history of male directors doing the same thing on their movies. So there is a bit of sexism going on here, the microscope that she's under. But having said that, this doesn't seem like the greatest environment on this set. And it seems like there were some choices made. And, you know, it was right after COVID protocols lifted. So this was a very challenging shoot to begin with. But it seems like it wasn't a great place to work. And I just, my prediction today is I think all of this noise around this movie uh, is not going to help. I think it's going to hurt and this film will underperform expectations when it comes out. There is a debate right now going on as to whether this is going to help or hurt this movie. I think it's going to hurt it. So you don't believe in the the truism that any press is good press? No, not in this case. I mean, maybe if the reviews are really good for the movie and it catches the zeitgeist and it's all these kids are going to come out and see Harry Styles in his first movie uh, where he's, you know, major role. I think that that's not going to be the case here. I think that it's going to completely upend the press. It's all anyone's going to be talking about. This movie doesn't come out until September 23rd. So we've got a little less than a month for these stories to come out. There will be press at the Venice red carpet. I just don't think it's going to translate into a big opening weekend. Do you think Olivia will address the rumors that Harry Styles is bald? <laughs> absolutely. She must. <laughs> There's absolutely no way she can she can contradict the convincing evidence that exists online. There's a lot out there. There is a lot. Yeah, Google Harry Styles bald. <laughs> um, all right, that is the show. I want to thank Lucas Shaw. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck. And I want to thank you. We'll see you Wednesday. 